Hey guys, and welcome to Your Spiritual Best Friend, a podcast about mental health and astrology. Have you guys ever had a bad day or felt so anxious to the point where you are struggling to find yourself in this vast society we call life? Not to worry, guys. I have felt this way too. The podcast interviews guests from college students to parents and even experts that talk about their journey to where they are in the present moment. So sit back and relax and remember that you are not alone. Without further ado, let's get started with today's podcast. Have you guys heard about Anchor by Spotify as being the easiest way to make a podcast? Let me explain. It's free. Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Best of all, when even hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, like I said before, Anchor is totally free. So pick up your phones, laptops, or whatever you use and download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I hope to hear your podcast. Hey everybody and welcome back to the podcast. Episode 29 titled A Witty Personality talks about the story of Dr. Katie Null. Dr. Null earned her PhD in mathematics education just before her 60th birthday and she teaches her students a lot about math. But other than math, Dr. Nall has always had a passion for helping people, and she helps her students overcome fears, phobias, and stress-related stuff when it comes to math. In 2010, she learned the Emotional Freedom Technique, EFT, or Tapping for short. Tune in to hear our live session where Dr. Nall actually does a live tapping session with me. It's great, guys, and it's a must-listen. But also with the podcast, Dr. Nall talks about mental health and gives great advice about relationships and her journey to success. You guys can follow Dr. Nall by checking her Instagram and social media in the show description. And also, before you guys can tune into this podcast, please, guys, like and subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Your subscriptions will help boost the podcast overall. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Dr. Null. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Your Spiritual Best Friend. I am your host, Josh Sanchez, and I'm here with Dr. Null. Null, how are you doing today and what's going on? Hey, Josh, I am doing fabulous. First of all, thank you so much for inviting me to your amazing podcast. I so appreciate you and all that you're doing in the world. Uh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And I, I always like to start off the introduction, you know, Dr. Nall, because you do, Katie, you do have your PhD, you know, and I want to say congrats because I know that takes a lot of work, a lot of dedication. And as someone that is in grad school now, you know, I just wanted to, you know, I always wanted to start off that, that our conversation that way. And I will say like, it's, it's a lot of work to get your PhD, you know, so I just want to say again, thank you for coming on. I appreciate that. And, you know, I got my PhD in my mid fifties. 
um, I wait. So I made it more interesting. I waited until I'd been out of school for over 30 years and then decided to go back. Um, but yeah, you're right. You know, what's interesting, Josh, is while I was working full time, it took me four years to complete my PhD in math education. And while I was working four years, it took me eight years. Did I say that right? While I was working full time, <laughs> it took me eight years to um, become a master trainer in emotional freedom technique which I thought would be way easier mm -hmm. than a PhD, but it took twice as long. Is that crazy? Yeah, I know. That sounds really crazy, you know? So it, it takes double the time to be certified for that versus getting your whole PhD. That's just something that I never, like, I'm, I'm hearing that for the first time. Like, wow. Um, and I really think, and I will say that was a great spot on answer, you know, to start off the podcast and everything. Um, my first question when it comes to that, I know, I know you mentioned like you got your PhD and you're starting to get into like other work and stuff like that. Tell me a little bit about like your journey doing that. Like, have you always had a passion for mathematics and helping people mm -hmm. or was it more like a spare at a moment type of thinking? Yeah. So Josh, um, when I was growing up, um, we moved a lot. Um, and there's nothing exotic or wonderful about it. We were both basically avoiding bill collectors. <laughs> uh, but I attended 12 different schools in five different states growing up. <clears throat> I remember very distinctly going to one place and they were starting studying World War I. And when we moved to the next place, they were finishing up World War II. So there's lots that I don't know at all about history. And as we moved from school to school, they were teaching um, uh, speaking, I'll get it out, speaking and uh, reading and um, English differently. Some would use sight words, some would use phonetics. So, but the one thing that was constant, regardless of where we went, was math. Uh, so it was like kind of a default that I ended up saying, oh, well, this is the same thing. And so I, it kind of continued. When I went, when I decided I wanted to go to college and um, I started college, they said, what do you want to major in? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And they said, well, what about English? I'm like, no, I'm not very good at that. And I said, what about science? And I was like, oh, I'm terrible in labs. And so it was a default that I kind of fell into mathematics. So I ended up getting my degrees in mathematics and that was like, you know, decades ago and when computers were just taking off and I was like, well, those are interesting. So I ended up getting my uh, bachelor's degree in math and computer science. And by that time, then um, I was married and um, we moved again <laughs> and um, I, I was at the University of Georgia and I wanted to finish up in computer science. But back then, they didn't even have a computer science department. So I ended up studying statistics. And when I was 18, I had life goals. One of my life goals was to complete my PhD. Josh, I had no idea what a PhD was, but I knew that it was the highest level, you know, you could get in education. So uh, that was my goal. But then marriage, three kids in six years, careers, everything got in the way until my youngest child was over 25 <laughs> and I was working at a college and I was like, oh, this is a chance for me to get my PhD. And it was in the work of my PhD when I was researching for my dissertation, I wanted to help students who had this fear and anxiety about math and test taking. And I looked and looked and looked and you know what I found, Josh? Nothing. 
There is nothing out there. So I recognized it as a word problem. <laughs> and I split up what was the most important. And what was the most important was how do people relieve anxiety and stress? And that's when I found emotional freedom technique in 2010 from Nick Ortner's um, Tapping Solution. And so I bought the book, I bought the DVD. They did not talk about math. They did not talk about tests. I had no idea if this was gonna work or not. Um, they were talking about relationships and finances and self-esteem and all these other things. And I thought, well, most of my students are desperate. We'll, we'll try it. So one after another, they came back and said, I think I passed my math class. I'm like, really? Josh, I had no idea who was more surprised, them or me. <laughs> so I thought, you know, I don't have any idea what I'm doing. I better get some training. And once I figured out the power of what's called tapping or emotional freedom technique, I was like, I want to teach this to everybody. I mean, this is like such a cool thing. And that's when I realized that I had no idea when I started on the path, it was going to take me eight years to become a trainer. But now I've done level one, level two, level three, trauma, quantum, which you may be interested in, going into past lives, um, and now a master trainer. Yeah, and I will say, uh, Katie, I will say that was a really great and spot on answer. And uh, as I'm hearing a lot about as you're describing your journey, you know, and I can completely agree, you know, it's it's crazy how things can change so rapidly, you know, like you, like you said, like you're getting your PhD, you know, and then all of a sudden the emotional freedom technique gets, gets up introduced to you. And now you really like take that and you really like get into it. And, and I really feel like your passion as you're describing that. And, and I will say, so when it comes to tapping, if you can give just like a little basic understanding of what is it, I'm all ears, you know, and I definitely think the people listening to this podcast will be all ears as well. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about it. And Josh, mm -hmm. if you're up for it, I'll demo it. Oh, okay. Okay. I like it. I, I'm down for a live demo. I'm cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So tapping is um, a somatic, somatic meaning body and words, uh, body and mind. And um, it's a somatic method to, I say, dissolve your waffles, dissolve your worries, anxiety, fear, frustration, lethargy, exhaustion, and stress. It was developed by an electrical engineer trained in Stanford University who was looking at how psychologists and psychiatrists were helping clients because they had been frustrated by cognitive behavior therapy or talk therapy. <clears throat> and so they started looking at traditional Chinese medicine, which has meridians, um, that are running through energy systems that are running through our body. And he looked at that and he's like, huh, those meridians, they're running all the way through our body. They kind of look like electrical circuits. And so he found, um, this is a very, I'm going to give you a very basic uh, explanation, but he found eight spots on our body where 96 to 98% of our meridians um, intersect. So one is right on top of the head. One is on the edge of the eyebrow, right above the nose. One is on the side of the eye between the edge of the eye and the hairline. One is under the eye, under the nose, above the lip, uh, under the lip, above the chin. And then I usually have my clients cross their hands and tap on their collarbone. And then the last one's about four inches under their arm where they pat on their ribs. 
And so he started playing with this. And um, it was based on the work of a psychiatrist who had found um, the story. So the story goes, he had a, the psychiatrist had a patient, we'll call her Mary, <clears throat> who was deathly afraid of water to the point where she couldn't give her own son a bath. And um, he had been working with her for weeks with no progress at all. And so he thought he'd try some of this traditional Chinese medicine thing. So he said, Mary, when you think about water and your fear of it, where do you feel it in your body? So this is something different, right? Because usually when you go into talk therapy, they never talk about, you know, where you, where you are in your body. And she said, you know, when I think about water, I, I have this fear in my stomach. And he said, oh, and he knew that meridians under the eye was the stomach meridian. So he said, Mary, do me a favor and just tap right there under your eye. So she did. And the story goes that um, she got finished. She looked at him, grabbed the glass of water that was there on his desk, drank it all down, set it down and said, thank you, I'm done and walked out. He didn't know what happened, Josh. And he's like, what is this? So he actually published um, a lot of information and sold it to other psychiatrists and psychologists. But then Gary Craig took it and took it a step further. And um, he like put all of these pieces together. He actually went and worked at a veterans hospital with Vietnam vets that had been hospitalized and drugged for 40 years from the Vietnam War. And from what I understand, he was there for one week working with individuals. And after a week of tapping, they no longer needed drugs and their trauma had been uh, released and they were able to leave the hospital. So obviously it's been approved by the Veterans Administration and it's very, very well received in other countries around the world. Wow. And I, I will say that was like, that's really just interesting to hear. And and I know you were talking a lot about like touching like the specific parts in your body, you know, that needs to be released and stuff. Um, I actually read a book. I, I forget what it's called exactly, but it talks about, I think it's like the body keeps the score. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it, it, yes, yeah. yes, yes. It talks a lot about how like people will experience trauma and like, and how like it actually affects like your physical body. Like for some people, they might see something that's similar to that. And they immediately like freeze their body freezes or like you said, like they might have like pain in their stomach or they might have pain in like other parts of their body, you know, and that's just how again, how like cause when, I, when a lot of people think of trauma, they just think, oh, like it's just like mental, but it's actually like really physical. Um, so as I was hearing you like describe that, I was just like, yeah, like this is I'm just sort of just reminded of like what I read in that book and also what I'm currently like run, uh, learning a little bit more, you know, about how. When people have like anxieties and trauma, there's specific parts in their body that actually hurt. Like I know for me, it's like my lower back. Whenever I'm like super anxious, you know, like my lower back tends to be tightened more because your muscles naturally tighten. But for me, it's like my back muscles tighten a little bit more. So I just as I was hearing that, you know, I was just like, wow, like really it, the physical how like trauma affects your physical body as well. Just, I just really wanted to emphasize that as well as I was hearing that. Um, but is there anything else you would like to add? I know you mentioned levels when it comes to it, like when it comes to like learning it, you can talk about the levels as well, Katie, as well. I'm all, I'm an open book. So now that I'm a trainer, I can train people. And level one is the ability to be able to use tapping on yourself, family, and friends. 
Level two is what's required if you want to become a certified practitioner. Um, and that would be um, you, you um, take the training, you take a, a written test and you actually uh, supply case studies. <clears throat> Level three is an advanced certified practitioner. And again, it's another uh, course that you would take, another test you would take and additional case studies uh, covering different topics. Um, and then I'm also a supervisor, a mentor, and now a trainer. But the additional ones, the trauma has been very, very helpful. I think everyone who, who learns tapping should definitely take the trauma um, classes. I inadvertently led people into trauma. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and uh, taking the trauma is, is good. Quantum. Uh, has turned out to be very, very interesting. It, it, it's funny, Josh, when you were mentioning your back, can I tell you a story about a client? Oh yeah, yeah, whatever you're comfortable with. Okay, so I had a client and she's given me permission to share the story, who's a chiropractor. And she was in practice with another chiropractor. So I knew, you know, um, they knew what they were doing. And she walked in holding her back. And I thought, okay, <laughs> interesting. Um, and what she wanted to work on was she felt like she had a writing block. And I said, okay, well, what's going on? And she said, when she finishes with a patient, she has to write a report, send it to insurance to be able to get paid. Okay. She said, and she's behind in writing those reports. I'm like, all right, how far behind are you? She has a hundred patient reports to write. As you might imagine, her partner was not happy because that means they weren't getting paid. And he was the one who said, you have got to do something. So she contacted me, came in walking with her back. So we started off tapping and I'm going to give you an example in a minute. We're going to go through it with you. Um, and what she came up with was her fifth grade uh, instructor used to make fun of her and her writing skills. So I thought, okay, that's going to be great. We'll get through it. Well, her, her level of frustration went down, but it wouldn't go away. I didn't know what to do, Josh. I was like, okay, we're stuck here. If we're here, I'm going to ask her what the heck's going on with her back. So I said, hey, what's happening with your back? She said, I, I don't know. There's a really sharp pain and I've had it worked on by a number of different people. And we just, it, we don't know what the cause is and it won't go away. I'm like, we're getting nowhere with your writing block. Let's play with that a little bit. So there's a couple of different techniques that you learn in, in the different uh, levels. And one of them is called chasing the pain. Another one is the uh, quantum. So, uh, and when I do quantum, um, I don't receive the information. The client receives information about past lives. So I said, okay, let's start this and see, see where we go. So as we were tapping, she's like, oh, wait a minute. I said, what's going on? She said, I just had this clear vision that I was a Roman gladiator and I, I was in the middle of the field, battlefield and an enemy came up from behind me and struck me with this sword in my back. I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's tap on that. So we tapped on that and got it down to zero. We went back to the writing part and all of her frustration, all her fears were gone. I was like, okay, I have no idea what happened or why this happened or how this happened. 
but let's just go with it. I checked with her a couple of weeks later and I said, how are you doing on those written reports? I mean, she had over a hundred, Josh. I figured it was going to take forever. She said, I got them all done in one week. Now it's been over five years and she's been able to keep up with them the entire time. Wow. That is, that is fascinating. And that's definitely something that's just really just interesting to hear. You know, I mean, even as you're describing, you're like, I don't know how or what like worked. It just worked, you know, and, and I will say like, that is definitely something that's very interesting. And, and when it comes to past lives, you know, I know you, you mentioned that a lot. How do you feel about it overall? I know definitely like through that experience, you're like, whoa, like this was definitely something that was like an awakening moment for you, you know? Um, but Katie, how do you feel about past lives? So Josh, um, the instructor on, on quantum tapping comes from Australia. And I heard she was going to be in Florida where I live. And I thought, well, what the heck, you know, I'm going to go. I have no idea what's going on. I'm just going to go. When it was my turn and I went through the process, I'm like, all of this stuff downloaded to me. And I was like, what is going on? Now, I'm a mathematician. I'm, you know, I understand that mathematics is the basis for all known science. Science doesn't do a lot with past lives. (laughs) So I'm trying to wrap my head around this. And then finally, Somebody told me this, and this helped me so much, Josh. When my grandmother was pregnant with my mother, as my mother's body was being formed, she was also forming the eggs that she was going to have her entire life, right? So that meant that me as an egg and my mother, who was in my grandmother, was experiencing all the emotional experiences that my grandmother was experiencing during her pregnancy. Then my mother was born, and as my mother was born, every experience she had until the time I was born are in my DNA. And I was like, oh, okay, so maybe if we go back quite a few levels, maybe there were things going on that is being passed down through DNA. So that was the way I could kind of (laughs) wrap my head around (laughs) Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I just thought, because as we were talking about it, I was just like, man, like, I really want to know how you feel about it. And that definitely makes sense, you know, like, I mean, when you are inside of the womb, you know, like you are experiencing, I mean, obviously you're experiencing your mother's trauma as well. And then same thing for her when she was in her womb. And then, you know, you take that all the way back up to the family tree, you know, and there you go. So I definitely can see how trauma, because there's, I, I like to, there's like a term called like generational trauma, you know, where it's like, Trauma is just getting passed down from generation after generation after generation. And that's definitely something that I know for like when people think of, especially with science, they think of all like physical solutions, you know, but when it comes to our minds, you know, and how we're wired, that's still like so unknown. So like a lot of and it's constantly evolving and changing because humans are as well. So it's just like, oh, it's just a slippery slope when we talk about the mind. So, Katie, I definitely like your analogy. You're talking about how like trauma is passed down from generation to generation. So I just wanted to emphasize that point as well. But just continuing our conversation a little bit, I know we talked a lot about like your work and passions and stuff. I know you mentioned like I know you've done a couple TED Talks. I actually listened to a couple of them as well, and they're really interesting. Um, Can you tell me the process a little bit when it comes to like a TED Talk and and how do you feel about doing TED Talks overall? Um, So, well, thank you, Josh. Um, Yeah, the first TED Talk was unusual. I I, I really didn't know what a TED Talk was. I I didn't. 
As a professional member of National Speaking Association, though, I meet some really interesting people. And one of the ladies I met there um, lived about three hours north of me. And she said that she had, um, she would bring these youth leadership sessions together, which I thought was a really cool idea. I'm, I'm all about, you know, helping the youth. And she wanted to know if I would come and give a couple of presentations to them. I'm like, yeah, sure. So for a number of years, I would drive three hours up, give a presentation and come home. And that was something I just did, you know, gratis because I thought she was cool. And I loved the idea that she was doing it. And then I recognized that she also facilitated the local TEDx talks at her area. Now, what I didn't know until, you know, I figured it out later, Josh, was that there are two TED events a year. And that not only the speakers have to be specially invited, but everyone in the audience is there by invitation only. That's pretty exclusive. <laughs> However, there are six to eight TEDx talks a, a day, a day around the world. So there's always somebody giving a TEDx talk somewhere. Well, when I saw that she was um, working with a TEDx in her town three hours away, and I was so passionate about tapping and I really wanted people to understand tapping. I thought, oh, I wonder if I could give a talk there. So I applied and uh, was one of the few that was accepted that year. And that was in 2017 and uh, was so excited and delighted to be able to share the message about tapping and how it can help people. Um, since then, I've applied to two other uh, TED Talks and not been selected but I know people who applied to dozens, if not over a hundred TED Talks. So for people who are interested, I can tell you from my experience, um, it's best if you know somebody there or somebody knows your ability, because depending on the talk, you're either going to write a paragraph about what your topic is, or you're going to give a two minute video of your topic. Um, or you're going to give some kind of information. And every TEDx talk is completely run by volunteers. Nobody gets paid for anything. Nobody. Speakers don't get paid. Um, the facilitators don't get paid. Any money that's raised goes back to um, like the swag that the, the people get, the lunches, the break, the food, the rental of the facility, the creation of the videos. There's a lot of costs involved. And so when they sponsor anything, um, so if somebody's interested in a TED Talk, just from my experience, I can tell you that if, it, if it's a TED Talk that is um, sponsored by a um, educational institution, a college, a university, a high school or something like that, that type of TEDx Talk usually promotes their own faculty, staff or students. Uh, so if unless you're a faculty, staff or student, um, the chances of getting in are, are, are kind of slim. Look for a TEDx that's new that um, you can kind of, TED.com has a list of them, but you can also kind of like listen around and go to other TEDx events. I've been to like four or five different TEDx events and to see the differences and how they're all run and, and what happens through them. My first TEDx that I went to, um, that, I, that I, I presented at, I'd never been to one, um, I presented at, I had five speech coaches. They assign you a coach, the organization assigned you a coach, and she was wonderful. 
Uh, but I had no idea what I was doing. And I have a tendency to do that, Josh, <laughs> to just jump into things at first. And um, so I hired um, another speech coach. Um, I hired a voice coach. I hired a humor coach. And I hired uh, another um, speech coach. And among the five of them, I still forgot so many of my lines. I mean, <laughs> if you look at what my script was and what I said, it's like, some of it is there, but it's like, oh, mix and match. And afterwards, here I am, the person that's supposed to help people with stress and anxiety. And I did. I tapped with everybody that was speaking to help them, you know, feel more comfortable. But as soon as I got out uh, uh, just beyond the curtain, my knees gave way and I completely fell to the ground. So people, my friends who were in the front row could see the bottoms of my shoe. So when they saw me later, they're like, uh, Katie, are you okay? <laughs> and what was really funny, Josh, is that, you know, you're mic'd up and then your next, the next speaker's mic'd up and then you're supposed to hand over your mic when you're finished so they can mic up the next person. Well, I, here I was down the ground. I was just completely wiped out emotionally. And so they're undressing me, trying to get to my microphone, <laughs> you know, throwing me around, <laughs> twisting me around, trying to get the microphone off. But the second one, um, I really didn't know anybody. I just created a topic that I thought was general enough, but uh, inspiring enough. So my topic for the one I'm giving next week is called um, science is not always the truth. And it's going to be talking about how science evolves and how um, we should question science and we should also evolve ourselves. Wow. And I will say that was a really great story and, and experience. You know, I just because I know because I know we talked a little bit before we recorded this podcast about how you're getting ready for another TED talk. So I was just like, might as well bring it up. And I will say, Katie, as well, like definitely like experience and all that. You're helping everybody else like tap, you know, and calm their anxieties and to take a little tumble, but also to bounce back. You know, that definitely shows a lot of resiliency, you know, and that and that's a great experience that you can always share with everybody. And I appreciate you sharing that on this podcast. Um, but just continuing our conversation, I, I know you said like we need to evolve as people as you ended like your your last response. Um, what's some advice that you would give to somebody that is really just, you know, try, that has like a lot of anxieties, whether that's with math or with other things, you know, like what's some advice that you would give to them to really help them just understand their anxieties, you know, and, and be able to do what they need to do? Do we have time, Josh, for me to give you a quick round of tapping? Oh, yeah, we have plenty of time. Yeah. Okay, well, then let's do that. And I mm -hmm. think that's going to be the best thing. Okay. Um, the, the, the first thing is that, you know, for people who have anxiety and, and, um, and waffles, what I call waffles, first of all, I'd encourage them to go to a physician and make sure there's nothing physically wrong. That's the first thing. Um, and then after that, if, if nothing can be found physically um, that can be identified, then um, where do you feel it in your body? So I'm gonna I'll, I'm gonna ask you a series of questions that I ask every client, um, and this is after I I get a um, client discovery form completed, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but I would ask, so Josh, what is it that in the last 24 to 48 hours have caused you any waffles, any worries, anxiety, fear, frustration, lethargy, exhaustion, or stress? Um, for me, I would probably say when it comes to like stress, I know with school has definitely been stress for me just because of uh, like uh, 
we get like these handouts for for each class and usually like we just fill in the blank it's just like a quick make sure like you're able to like stay present in the presentation and stuff but my but my uh my professor he completely uh, messed up his whole like handout so everything was off so i was like oh no like i gotta and i even tried to like read the book and it wasn't in the book like the exact words weren't in the book so i was like oh no like so that was something that's been like stressing me out i would probably say over the last like 24 48 hours yeah i could see how that would Mm -hmm. and when you think about that handout that you got from your professor that didn't make any sense um what emotion comes up um, definitely like there's some like anxieties just because I know for myself, like I like to turn stuff in on time. Like I have a very just like specific schedule, especially when it comes to school. Um, cause I always want to be on it. I don't want to have stuff late or turn stuff in late. So I know with this assignment, I know I got to like email them, touch base and make sure I hit that deadline on time. So that's definitely something that's been going through my mind as I was like completing the handout and stuff. So, Josh, when you think about the anxiety that you have from that handout, from the top of your head to the bottom of your toes, where does that anxiety land in your body? Um, For me, I would probably say, as I was talking about it now, like I did feel a little bit in like my lower, like my right part of my lower back. Um. (laughs) Uh, And from zero to 10, where zero is like, ah, no big deal. I've done this a hundred times. I can do this again. And 10 is the most anxiety you've had in your entire life. How how (laughs) deep. Um, when it comes to anxiety, I definitely, I definitely would put it towards like the end, probably like four, three, three, four ish around there. Yeah. Cause okay. I, I've definitely experienced a lot more, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> three or four is good. And, um, is this a true statement right here, right now? I feel safe. Yes. Yes. Right now. Yes. I, I do feel safe. You know, I'm in my own apartment, you know, I, I feel safe. I'm talking to you, Katie. It's been, it's been great so far. So yeah, I definitely feel safe. Um, For those who are listening, if that is not a true statement, some statements you might be able to substitute are right here, right now, someday, I hope to feel safe, or right here, right now, I accept the way I feel. The key part about all of this, Josh, is that everything we say has got to be true for you, not for Mm -hmm. me, but for you, Mm -hmm. which leads me to my last question. I'm going to ask you to repeat some words once we add the words to the um, to the motions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I say something and you go, eh, that's mm-hmm. not really true. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I would say it a different way. Mm-hmm. Would you repeat it in your own words for me, please? Okay. Yes, I got you. Okay. So just to, to recount for those who are listening, we identified a specific thing that happened. We identified the emotion. We identified where it is in the body We identified the level it is from zero to 10, where zero is not at all, and 10 is the most intense. And we agreed that everything was going to be true. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to go over those points that we kind of breezed through uh, Mm -hmm. before. We're going to start on the side of the hand between the wrist and the little finger. Mm -hmm. And uh, right there between the wrist and the little finger, we're going to use our other hand and use four fingers to tap right there on the side. That's it. And then as we're tapping, we're going to repeat three sentences. So the first sentence, and again, change it if it um, to make sense for you. Mm-hmm. So say, even though. Even though. Just thinking about getting that handout. Just thinking about getting that handout done. Yeah. And um, how much work it was going to be for me to figure out what he's talking about. Yeah. Uh, how much work it's going to be for me to to talk about when it comes to him, you know? 
Yeah. Um, I feel this anxiety in my right lower back. I feel this anxiety in my right lower back. Right here, right now, I feel safe anyway. Right here, right now, I feel safe anyway. Okay, and we're going to repeat it. Even though. Even though. This anxiety in my right lower back. This anxiety in my right lower back. Just thinking about that handout. Just thinking about that handout. Right here, right now, I feel safe. Right here and right now, I feel safe. Even though. Even though. It's in my right lower back again. It's in my right lower back again. That anxiety. That anxiety. Thinking about that handout that I got. Thinking that that handout that I got. Right here, right now, I feel safe anyway. Right here, right now, I feel safe anyway. And then on the top of your head, Mm -hmm. you're going to say, this anxiety in my right lower back. This anxiety in my right lower back. And then on the edge of the eyebrow, right above the nose, Mm -hmm. this anxiety in my right lower back. This anxiety in my right lower back. And then on the side of the eye, between the eye and the hairline, Mm -hmm. this anxiety in my right lower back. This anxiety in my right lower back. And then under the eye, Mm -hmm. this anxiety, you can use both hands to it under there. This anxiety in my right lower back. This anxiety in my right lower back. And then under your nose, this anxiety in my right lower back. This anxiety in my right lower back. And then under the lips, this anxiety in my right lower back. This anxiety in my right lower back. Then on the collarbone, ah, this anxiety in my right lower back. This anxiety in my right lower back. And then thump your ribs and say, this anxiety in my right lower back. This anxiety in my right lower back. And then I have my clients put their hands on their shoulders and we're going to go rub all the way down to our elbows and blow your air out like a cartoon character. It looks like this. (gasps) (laughs) Man, that was really good. I feel good. So when you think about that handout now, Josh, Mm -hmm. tell me what does your right lower back feel like? My ro- my right lower back definitely feels a lot more clear now as I and it does feel a lot better now that I am like, you know, I definitely feel like I can I can do this, you know, like a sense of like I can do this, no real pain, you know, and I will say it worked pretty good. <laughs> can you imagine what one hour of this does? Oh yeah, I, I can only imagine. Like we just did it for like five minutes. So imagine doing a whole hour of that, like that definitely would would calm me down. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? <clears throat> Clinical studies that have done been done around the world, Josh, um, when they compare cognitive behavior therapy, which is talk therapy, to um, EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization reprocessing, and tapping emotional freedom technique, they have found that among the three of them, EMDR and EFT are way more effective than talk therapy. And I will share that um, there was a time in my life when I visited a a psychologist once a week for four years. And I'm so thankful for him. Really, Mm -hmm. I am thankful for him. He made such a difference in my life and gave me some real balance, which I will always be grateful. Mm -hmm. However, he was a businessman and he would frequently look at his watch and say, oh, it's been an hour, Katie, we're all done. Well, I will have pulled up all of this history and trauma and you know all of this stuff and be an emotional mess 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'm crying and heaving and, uh, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, okay. And I'm stumbling my way to the door, opening the door, getting out, getting into my car, getting ready to go back to work. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm just a disaster. It takes me a while to regroup and emotionally I can feel it going through my body. The nice thing about tapping and you said it a little bit yourself is that when we're finished with the whole hour we actually have a process to bring clients back to a state of homeostasis so that they feel calm again and they can go out into the world. The most frequently used word when my clients are finished is, oh, I feel lighter, Um, which is interesting because nobody walks in saying, I feel heavy. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Uh, That was definitely a good point at the end, you know, like you never go in thinking like, oh, I feel heavy, you know, but I agree. Like as I was doing it, like as I was doing tapping and stuff, I did feel a lot lighter at the end. And, uh, and, and I will say like when it does come to like therapy, you know, and and I'm definitely like, I definitely realized a little bit too, you know, like when an hour does pop up, it's like, oh, like it's, it's time and it's done. So it's sort of like, what is it that you can do, you know, to really help yourself when you're done therapy, you know, so that way you can just really reset your mind and stuff. Um, but just continuing our conversation, Katie, I know we really talked about a lot and I, and I really appreciate our conversation so far and even trying tapping and stuff. Um, but when it comes to like your own anxieties and stuff, so let's say you've had a long day, you know, I know like you've done like tapping for yourself. Um, is there anything else that you really do to really like help yourself just like reset your mind and really just refresh? Oh yeah. I have a whole toolbox. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, after I became a master trainer in tapping, um, I'm also interested in other modalities. So I'm always searching for alternative healing modalities. Cause I do believe, um, that we can heal ourselves. Um, for those who are, um, religious and, um, work with the Bible, many places in there, Jesus has said, you know, you need do as I have done. And what did he do? He healed people. Um, and, um, and there's a belief that, you know, we can take care of our bodies and heal and heal our bodies. So along those lines, I've become a Qigong instructor, um, which is a great way. It's actually called a longevity exercise. And one of the reasons why I did that is one of my next life goals is to dance at every one of my five granddaughter's weddings. The youngest one is one. So that means for the next 30 years, (laughs) I have got to stay in good health to be able to dance. Um, And so Qigong is is a great example. Um, When I know that I've had like an extremely intense day, I will whip up a bath of Epsom salts and and sea salts um, with a little bit of lavender and um, cruise through that. Uh, That's a nice way to relax. I've got myself a... Um, original uh, ocean sponge um, to bring my body back to like an an ocean kind of um, uh, feeling. Um, I do a lot of meditation. I do a lot of journaling. I have tons of friends. You know, we were never meant to go alone in this life. There's a really interesting study. I love reading studies, right? So there's this really interesting study that was done uh, decades ago. Maybe I want to say close to a hundred years ago, but it's a long time ago about an entire group of people who moved from Italy up to um, someplace in the North Midwest, Indiana, Illinois, someplace. And um, they studied them because 
um, they did all the wrong things. They smoked, they drank, they ate fatty foods. They did everything that we've been told not to do. And they lived a really, really long life. So the scientists studied them and tried to figure out what was what was the trick? What was it? So they went through everything and they're kept crossing things off the list. Okay, wasn't diet. It's not, they're not exercising and they're crossing everything off the list. And what they finally concluded, the number one thing that allowed them to live a long life. Can you guess what it is? Um, I, I, I have a feeling it's something in regards to like staying together, you know, and stress. Cause I know stress can really cause a lot and really speed up the death process. Well, you're right. Stress can do that. The number one thing that this group did that kept them alive for so long is that they were in each other's business. <laughs> it was because they were so tight and they were they stayed together. And uh, what's interesting is that the men, there's a very traditional kind of uh, patriarchal society. The men would go off and work and the women would stay at home and um, take care of the home and the children. The kids, they all wanted the kids to go to school. They would all go to school. They wanted the kids to go to college so that they could have a better life. All the kids went to school. When they came back, there were no jobs. So the kids spread out you know, throughout the United States. The children did not have as long a lifespan as their parents because they did not have that group of people you know, who were walking in their door without knocking, asking what's going on. What are you having for dinner? How come you're having that? What's going on? Hey, you don't look like you're feeling good. What are you doing now? You know, <laughs> and it was, it was the collection of people that were caring for one another, probably half of them. I mean, I, I don't know, but I can imagine in that group of people, there had to be some people you didn't like. And, but yet you, there was that sense of community. So I'm saying all that by saying, I really work hard at developing, nourishing and keeping friend relationships. Yeah. And I, I will say that's a really great point. And that really just builds right to my next uh, my next question, I know you mentioned a lot about like building those friendships, you know, keeping that like unity. Uh, my next question for you is when it comes to like relationships with friends, family, loved ones, what are some qualities that you really look for in like a friend or even a romantic partner as well? Well, my romantic partner found me and he won't let me go. We're going to be having our 49th wedding anniversary this summer. And I've tried. Believe me, I've tried. <laughs> But he is the best thing that ever happened to me. So I'm, I'm glad for that. Um, I, that. I mentioned that list that I made when I was 18. And number one was to earn my PhD. Number five was by the time I'm 25, I'm going to start dating. I had no interest in my, you know, I was going to be a career woman. So, um, but in terms of friends, you know, uh, there's a, a phrase that's bandied about a lot is that, um, you are the sum of your five closest friends. So thinking about who you're hanging out with, do those people have the attributes that you want in your life? I've been blessed and lucky that, um, that I've been able to find, nurture, and, and um, be with friends. In fact, I, I now facilitate masterminds and everybody in my mastermind ends up being another close friend. Um, Cause I want to be with people who are loving, kind, non-judgmental um, and understand abundance, prosperity, and wealth. 
Wow, I will say those are some really great qualities to have, you know, and I will say even gave some great advice when it comes to relationships too, even in that answer, you know, and I will say, I will say, Katie, overall, like I've really enjoyed our conversation. We talked so much about just like life, you know, your journey, and now we're talking a little about relationships and stuff. I'm transitioning a little bit. I know, like I always have people like when they come on, talk a little bit about astrology and stuff. Um, Just my first question for you, Katie, is just when it comes to astrology, what is it? What is it that you know? And if you have a relationship with astrology, like what really interests you about it? Um, my relationship with astrology is based on one of my uh, daughter-in-laws. I have I, we, our three kids are amazing. For one thing, they still talk to us, so I'm excited about that. They're alive. They're not in jail. They still talk to us. They have um, uh, meaningful uh, contributions to society, and they're off my payroll. <laughs> We're good, <laughs> and. They have married amazing people. When um, our kids were little, somebody told me that um, our, our kids' mates are out there. We just need to pray that they meet. And so when I would say my blessings uh, every day, I would describe the kind of person that I thought would be best for each one of my kids. And they found each other. So we have three amazing um, spouses for our, for our three kids. One of them is really, really into astrology. And so she had me do, um, you know, this listing of of, um, characteristics based on my birth and all of that. However, my birth certificate does not list a time of birth. And so um, I actually did some reflexology and we figured out it was probably around 2.30 in the morning um, that I was born. And... um, yeah, I think it's really interesting. I think it's another science. I think there's more that we don't know about science, Josh, than what we do know. And I think astrology can be a very important piece of that. Yeah, and and I will say like that again, that's just a really spot on point. And power and credit to your one of your kids as well that really got you into it because it definitely is a very interesting topic. And I know for you, like I know you did like download your chart a little bit. I know you're a Sagittarius with a Virgo moon as well. So I know with that comes like the mixture of the fire and then the Virgo adds like the discipline, you know, and as I'm really saying, like hearing your story, you know, you've had goals ever since you were young, you know, you wanted to get your PhD, you've always had a plan. So I just see how those two, the Sag energy and the Virgo energy are just combining into one. Um, And before we wrap up this podcast, I always have on my guests, I Google their sun and moon and this website that I have, it's called thehoroscope.co. It's a really cool website um, and it gives a little reading on your combination. So as I give you your reading, um, just tell me some thoughts that come to mind. So for you, Katie, it says you're a Sagittarius sun with a Virgo moon. It says a witty personality. So organized and attentive, the Sagittarius sun Virgo moon personality has a distinctive way of living life to its fullest. So positives for your sun and moon combination. Very wise, can be very persuasive with words and very intelligent. Um, Negatives can be a little bit criticizing and can be a little bit demanding. Uh, Perfect partner, someone who can keep them with their feet on the ground. And so keep you grounded. And then word of advice for your sun and moon combination. And this is definitely the Virgo part of your chart. Stop trying to find flaws in everyone and everything. So as I am reading your chart, (laughs) what are some thoughts that come to mind? (laughs) I would agree with all that. Mm -hmm. I would agree all that. And one of one of the strongest strengths that my husband has is that he is solid. And I'm like, woo. 
So he is, yeah, he, he kind of brings me back down to earth on a regular basis. And I do have a tendency. Um, I don't make requests. I give demands. Um, uh, and, and it's, I, I really try hard, Josh. I mean, I try. So I, I sent a text to my husband the other day about, would you bring, uh, no, what it said was bring home the blueberries. That's what it said. And then I read it and I went, oh, so I texted, please. <laughs> and it's not, it's not intentional. I really try, but I, I do have a dominant personality and um, have a tendency to criticize people. Um, and, but now, you know, I understand that anything I'm critical of others is usually something I'm upset with in myself. And so once I realized that I was like, Ooh, and I've made some really interesting spiritual, um, uh, I guess, um, what's the word I'm looking for advancements, I guess mm -hmm. for myself. Yeah. Spiritual um, awakening moments. Yeah. I got you. Spiritual awakening moments that has, <laughs> that has helped me, I guess mm -hmm. is a good way to put it. Yeah, I got you as well. And I also know there's a whole other thing that we can talk about, like outside the podcast, I can send you more information, but it's called side real astrology as well. And uh, with side real astrology, it's like you have your normal chart, like where you were born. And then side real is like through experience and through your own personal journey. It's the, it's the person you're supposed to become. So some things change. So like for you, like you might be a Sagittarius with a Virgo moon now, but it, your side real, you might be a... Capricorn with a Leo moon or something, you know, like things. Yeah. Like, so your placements change and that's something that we can always add on and stuff. Um, but I will say, Katie, I've enjoyed our conversation. We really talked about a lot. We even did a live demonstration of tapping. I feel a lot better in my back. So I'm more free flowing. People can't see it in the zoom, but I'm like moving my arms a lot more now than I was in the beginning. So I will say, uh, thank you for that. And Katie, where can everybody follow you at? And also where can everybody check out your own work? Josh, thank you so much for that. Uh, first of all, I have to say what you're doing is amazing and getting all this word out is really, really good for the general public. So thank you for that. Um, so they can email me at hello at drnall.com, H-E-L-L-O at D-R-N-A-L-L.com. I'm on all social media as Katie Nall, PhD, K-A-T-I-E-N-A-L-L, PhD. Um, I'm a bit of a wordsmith. Um, so my Last name is Nall, N-A-L-L. So the name of my company is my last name followed by the word Edge, E-D-G-E. -E. So if they want to check out the website, it's N-A-L-L-E-D-G-E-C-O.com, knowledgecompany.com. And um, I'm also going to challenge your listeners to give me a call. I would love to talk to them. I'm at area code four. Uh, no, that's not the area code. Area code 772 uh, 226 That's 772-226-0167. And I'd love to talk to him. All right. Sounds good to me. And everything, all the information you just said, I'll put links in the show description so that way everyone can just click on it and they'll be good to go. But I will say, Katie, I've enjoyed our conversation and please stay safe. Thank you so much, Josh.